Hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on? Yes, I am Trent Rush, and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast here as we continue our baseball hiatus, still waiting to get out of quarantine and uh, get going back when baseball does return, hoping that it's sooner rather than later. Right now, we're kind of just in this sit-and-wait period, but I know if you're like me, you are chopping at the bit to get back to playing some baseball. Well, I know somebody else that is really looking forward to this 2020 season, like I am. That would be Angel broadcaster Mark Gubiza, who's going to be our guest here on this show. We're going to get a chance to hear from Gooby in just a moment. Do want to let you know about some of the things going on with the Angels, though, all a part of Angels at Home. This podcast is a part of that, as is Madden Mondays. You'll get a chance to hear from Angels manager Joe Madden on the Sports Lodge with Roger Lodge every Monday afternoon on AM830, and that is also on the same podcast site where you likely found this podcast here with the Angels Recap Podcast. But that is not all. There's all kinds of stuff. If you go to angels.com slash home, there are activities pages like coloring pages where you can try to do your best to stay in the lines and color for Mike Trout. That's good activity for the kids. I saw there's some recipes on there at angels.com slash home, some in-stadium recipes, and I also uh, saw some other recipes on there as well, including from Jay Madden, her savory sopa, which uh, looks like something that I could even be able to cook, and it looks delicious. So I'm definitely looking forward to trying some of that. There's a lot of fun stuff up there. There's fresh content every single day. Some of the videos that you're used to seeing in the ballpark, like the kiss cam and uh, some other things, that is available on there as well. It's on angels.com slash home. Of course, stay connected with the Angels on social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all kinds of stuff. The Angels are all over the place, so I highly encourage you to check all of that out and stay up to speed on everything that's happening with the Angels. Also, Ty Buttry is currently participating in a video game players league that uh, all the MLB teams are participating in. Ty Buttry representing the Angels. Ty got off to a rough start started one and three but we'll hear from Ty a little bit later on in our podcast to uh, get his take on how it's been going for him so far and uh, I know we had a great conversation with Ty Buttry earlier here in this quarantine time which you can always go check out in our archives but uh, we'll get some fresh uh, updates from Ty Buttry when it comes to his video game training but also his baseball training all right I don't want to waste any more time here now our conversation with former pitching greats and now Angels broadcaster Mark Gubiza. Well, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so how appropriate we get to celebrate Gooby Tuesday with Angel broadcaster Mark Gubiza. Goobs, what's happening, man? Trent, what's going on, dude? Uh, yeah, it's always a good day on those Tuesdays. You know that. Hey, that's right. Tuesdays uh, are the best, and I'm glad we're doing this. It's coming out on a Wednesday, but having this conversation here in this lull without baseball, I tell you, you know, I'm talking with the Angels fans, and I'm hearing from folks out there, and I think people just want to have something to smile about these days and hoping that baseball uh, can be coming soon. But I want to know, how have you kind of been spending your time here in this uh, baseball world here the last month or so? 
Yeah, Trent, it's, it's crazy because you know, it wasn't that long ago we were down there in Tempe, Arizona, excited about, you know, just listening to the pressers every morning with Joe Madden and seeing the guys and having Anthony Rendon there and working hard, this lineup looking good, the pitching staff looking healthy, and, and really the starters were doing an excellent job there in, in spring training. And then, boom, you know, you, you're driving home and you're thinking, when are we going to play again? But, uh, you know, you get to do a lot of stuff with the family, which you normally probably wouldn't do at this time of the year for me. And uh, But, you know, every day I'm just thinking it's getting closer and closer to, to baseball again. I think everyone feels a little bit better, a little more optimistic that we're going to be able to get back to so-called normal before too long. Yeah, it does seem like the tone has changed a little bit this week, which is a good thing. You know, I want to talk about your experience out in Tempe this spring. Uh, you and I missed each other, I think, by a day. But one of the things that really stood out to me was how Joe really put an emphasis on some of the hitting drills and situational hitting. What were some of your takeaways from your time out there from what you were able to see? Yeah, I just love, you know, first of all, his positivity was it was infectious, really. I mean, every day he was in there, you know, preaching something, whether they were having guys working on putting bunts down to be able to beat a shift or, you know, just the basic fundamentals, you know, working on cutoffs and relays that we hadn't seen in a while. And, and, and the guy's energies doing that the players was is something i was i kept looking at thinking you know after a while you get bored with it in spring training but these guys were into it they realized a, a big out in defensively could be a difference between winning a game and losing a game and this you know during their spreading practice swings what they were trying to do as far as not trying to lift everything trying to pull everything uh just letting you know wherever the pitch was being thrown they were hitting the ball that way and it was refreshing to see that because you know i think you know, it, for for the longest period of time now, we haven't seen where the guys really felt confident that this was a team that can get back to the postseason, and that that was the feeling I had down there in that short period of time. And, and I felt every day going into that ballpark, driving in early in the morning, I was like, this is going to be fun to see something different, something cool every day, and that was with the feeling I had. Well, obviously, the Angels were really good when you first started, like those late, you know, two thousands teams, like you know, oh eight, oh nine. Great, great hitting clubs. And then 2014, obviously, the Angels uh, were the best team in baseball uh, for the regular season that year. Do you get the sense that this lineup can be like, you know, some of those lineups were when, when you first started as a broadcaster with the Halos? Uh, I mean, they're all a little bit different. But I think as far as deep the lineup, this is going to be, and with Joe, the way, going back to Joe again, his flexibility, the way he, you know, mixes and matches certain pitchers, whether lefty righters or guys that have good fastballs or guys rely on more secondary pitches. He had a, a pretty deep lineup set up, but I think it was going to be the probably the deepest and, and allows him to do, you know, there's going to be a lot of power. You, know, and you can't question that in that lineup when you have with Trout and Otani and Rendon and Pools and, and Upton, but you also have guys that are going to put the ball into play like Estella, Fletcher, you know, Goody, Simmons, uh, you know, and Jason Castro, that's a deep lineup, and it's, and it's some power from the left side, a lot of power from the right side, and each each day he would put that lineup one through nine, there was going to be a chance he was going to score a lot of runs, and that allows you as a pitching staff to feel more comfortable challenging guys, especially early in the games. They're going to catch every ball, too. I mean, that left side of the infield was going to be unreal. I mean, and you know, just keep the ball in the ballpark, it's going to get caught. And, and, and again, going back to stressing the fundamentals, these guys were working hard as far as not giving away an extra out. And that's what we saw a lot last year, a lot of outs given away and, and, and missed opportunities both at the plate or even you know on the mound as far as going out and attacking hitters. So uh, I think that, that changed quite a bit. Granted, they're not regular season games at that point, 
but you could just feel that those guys were ready once, you know, and it, and it will be that way once the season ever gets underway. I'll tell you this. I went into spring training pretty much knowing I was going to like Joe Madden. I mean, we had a little bit of rapport. I, I'd known him a little bit uh, before he even came to the Angels. So I, I knew Joe a little bit. I knew that was going to be great. The thing that I was so excited about was Mickey Calloway and what he can bring to this pitching staff. I, I don't know how uh, long your relationship goes back with Mickey. I don't know if you guys ever crossed paths uh, in your playing days, but it just kind of seems like, you know, he was talking about some of the comparisons to that pitching staff he had in Cleveland. Those are all no names when he took over there. Obviously, the next three years, they're great. Best ERA overall in that stretch of any team in baseball. And he's saying, hey, that kind of reminds me of what this Angels pitching staff can be. Uh, what was uh, your interaction like with Mickey Calloway and kind of what's your takeaway on what he can bring to this pitching staff? Yeah, Trey, and I, I've known Mickey for quite a while. I mean, we, not a great relationship because we didn't get a chance really to sit down over, over periods of time in this talk. But, boy, I was so lucky just in that short period of time in Tempe to have, be able to interview him after a game. And, and he said some things right away that I thought were – and we talk about it even during whether it's on the TV side or the radio side. I know Langer the same way. That hey, an out and out. You don't need to strike people out every single batter at the plate. If you can get some quick one-two pitch outs, that's what you want. You want to have that mentality of throwing first pitch strike because that sets up everything else throughout the entire sequence of pitches against the batter. So he was breeding a lot of confidence into these guys' brains, and I think that was it was pretty evident. And and they weren't worried about. Boy, how am I going to be able to increase my velocity? How am I going to be able to throw all four-seam fastballs when I'm a two-seam fastball type of guy? He was working with the strengths of every single pitcher on the staff, and that's not an easy thing to do because you have a lot of guys down there. What is your strength? Are you a sinker baller? Are you a, you a four-seam fastball guy? You throw a slider? You throw a curveball? You throw a split? You throw a straight changeup? You could tell he was. it's really meticulous on, on how he was going to get into each uh, pitcher's mind as far as making them better than they really are. And that's what you want as a pitching coach, making you feel that you're actually better than you really are. And if you do that, everyone else around you is going to be better. Well, and looking at this group, I mean, there's a lot of names that you say, okay, well, there's potential there. And, you know, the, the Julio Tehran's of the world that have had some success but uh, can continue to build on that. And, and Dylan Bundy maybe could be a great change of scenery guy because he has shown those flashes. Um, when you're – Looking at this pitching staff, I know there has been a lot of talk about you know, the Angels didn't do enough when it comes to getting pitching. Do you feel like that this Angels pitching staff can give enough from the starting side in particular uh, to work with this great lineup to be able to have this Angels team be a legitimate contender this year? Yes, no, and, and I think now because of the, not that you wanted this to be the case as far as the, you know, the pushback as far as the start of the season, now you're going to have Shohei Otani. Well, that, that's your ace. You have him available. Now, granted, it will be probably once a week, whatever day of the week they, you know, Joe Madden and Mickey decide on as far as what day he's going to pitch, then you build a staff around him. Just, just being around the pitching staff and, and, and knowing, and the first thing to think is, well, we're going to score a lot of runs. Now, when you, have to, when you take that to the mound each and every time you start a game, for one, we'll talk about the bullpen, I'm sure, shortly, but as a starter, when you feel that your offense is going to score you runs and you're going to catch the ball, you're more apt to be more confident, and when you're more confident, you're going to throw more strikes. And, and I, I just felt that the way Dylan was throwing the ball and Julio and Andrew Heaney, and, and I know now Griffin Canning has a shot to be ready once, you know, pretty close to being ready when this season 
you know, starts up that uh, you got a lot of depth. And, and Patrick Sandoval was throwing 97 miles an hour. And, and I, I, I went up to uh, Joe Madden a couple times about that. His, his smile was unbelievable. He's like, I love this kid. And so you got some guys that right then and there have a chance to be pretty successful because they're going to go out there to the mound with confidence. If you don't have confidence, it doesn't matter if you're Mike Trout. If you're not confident in the batter's box against a pitcher and you're Mike Trout, chances are you're not going to get a hit. But if you're up there confident, you're going to get the job done. Man, the psyche of it. I'm glad you're bringing this up because in talking with Joe and in talking with Mickey Calloway, it seems like there's such a large focus on that from your playing days, what were some of the things that like you would do to get confidence? Was there somebody that you kind of relied on? Was it just past you know success that you could build on? Like what gave you confidence as a pitcher? Yeah, Trent. I mean, it's really. I mean, when I first started up at the major league level, we had a pitching coach named Gary Blaylock who was old school. He was like, "Hey, just go after guys. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Just try to you know throw as hard as you can and and to challenge every single." Batter you face, and in that point in my career, that's the way I was. The way I grew up in Philly, I was going to challenge. I didn't want anybody to even foul a baseball off. I wanted to strike out. I wanted to embarrass every hitter I ever faced. So you know, that that forced me into the mindset. I was trying to throw the ball too hard, and I was throwing it max effort every single pitch. And lo and behold, I walked a lot of guys. And then Frank Funk became our new pitching coach, and he just came up and gave me probably the one phrase that I use even when I talk to my high school kids. At Chaminade, I said, try easy. And, and I couldn't comprehend that initially. And then I, I sat back and goes, I said, what do you mean by that, Frank? It's not in my DNA to try easy. He goes, no, you don't have to throw every pitch. You, like it's the seventh game of the World Series in a 3-2 count. Set up hitters. Relax. Don't overthrow the baseball. You're going to be more consistent in the strike zone. Save that best pitch when you need it most. And then and eventually it started to makes sense and i use it during the game i would just throw a fastball away not a max effort the guy would hit a ground ball for now and i go wow that's pretty good and then i go fastball about an inch away further than that and off the end of the bat and then if there were some guys get on base inevitably if i was going to be a sinker ball pitcher there'd be guys on base but i had that ability to have that power fastball the power slider to get the strikeout when the guy was on third base with you know one out or no outs and get a key out and not have to show that my opponent every you know, from that first inning on, my best pitch from that spot. Instead of I saved that, because I used to watch people like Dave Stewart and, and Jack Morris, they have their problems maybe a little bit in the first inning, then all of a sudden you look up, they're still out there at the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, because they didn't show the batter their best pitch, their out pitch, per se, in that very first inning. When you were coming up and trying to get to the major leagues and, you know, being a high school pitcher in Philadelphia, um, how real did the majors seem to you at that time? That, that's a great question, Trent. I mean, in, as a kid growing up, especially in our area where we grew up, and I had three older brothers, and, and you know, everybody, even the buddies, because we would be at the square, it would be at 16 or 17 of us every single day, whether it was sunny, raining, snow, cold, 16, 17 of us every day playing basketball or tackle football, even in the cement, because if you have enough snow, you at least have some padding, stickball. Uh, most everybody thought about David are going to be a fireman or policeman or, or my brothers all worked at car dealerships at home. The only thing I ever thought about was being a baseball player. And my, my dad played minor league baseball with the White Sox, like in 50, 51, 52 range. Never really talked about it. But, I mean, I, I watched and listened to every game I could, whether it was on the radio or, or whenever they were on TV, the Phillies, that that's the only thing I ever wanted to do. 
and my mindset was, no matter what, I'm going to make it there. And then, then all of a sudden you think, well, I, I didn't have a lot of scouts looking at me at that point because mainly they're looking at kids from California, Texas, Florida. They're playing all year long. In Philly, you're playing there for about three or four months. It's cold. It's rainy. But then I saw a few scouts singing, and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I do have a shot. You know, I wasn't as polished as a lot of other players coming from those warm climates as far as the high school baseball, but I knew in my mind that I had the mentality was I was never going to give up on my dream, and that's the reason why I think I got where I got, because I worked hard. I never took any day, you know, off. Every day I worked as hard as I could, and then as the more confidence I got, the more I thought, you know what, maybe I can do this. And once I made it there to the big leagues, then I was around Dennis Leonard or Dan Quisenberry, Paul Splitorf, they said, hey, it's not that it's easy to get to the big leagues, but staying there is the most difficult thing. And that's when they would give me all those little nuggets and tidbits on how to stay there and how to be successful, deal with the ups and downs. You're going to, be, you're going to really struggle at points in your career. Luckily enough, not that you want to, I, I struggled somewhat, especially with my control early. But then I figured it out, and then all of a sudden I'm looking up, i got 13, 14 years in the big leagues, and I, I'm still stunned that that ever happened. Because growing up in Philly, you just never thought you'd be able to get out of, you know, the area where I grew up in, let alone playing in the big leagues. Do you think there's something to that kind of Philly edge? I, I mean, just because I, like anybody that talks to you, we see you on TV, you're around all the time. I mean, it's just happy-go-lucky Mark Gubaza these days. And, you know, with, with the Angels having, you know, Mike Sosha, you guys have very different personalities, but in, in some ways kind of see the world the same way. Mike Trout will call him a Philly guy. Do you think there's something to that? I, I, I think what it comes down to is, is nothing's ever given to you. So you're, you're not that you're literally physically fighting all the time, but you're always fighting to prove that, you know, you're not giving up on anything. And, you know, it's, and like I say, even go back to what I talk about with the high school kids, I always tell them, hey, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Because, you know, I always, and I think that's where it goes to when you mentioned the Philly thing, when somebody tells you you can't do something, boy, all of a sudden you, you, roll, you roll up your sleeves, you work a little harder, and I think that became, you know, all my mantra. I know even talking to Socia, the funny thing is, Trent, when I was a player, everybody on the other side absolutely hated my guts, and, and I loved that because when they came over on a trade, I remember Neil Heaton was a pitcher for Cleveland. He came over, and we were teammates in Kansas City. He goes, man, I hated you more than any human being on the planet. And I was like, really? That's a, why? He goes, well, this is the way you, everything about you. But when I'm, then all of a sudden I'm your teammate. I think you're the coolest guy ever. I said, that's all I care about. If you're my teammate, I want you to like me. I don't care if you hate me or if you're on the other side because I was just trying to help my teammates win, and I was trying to go out and do whatever I could to help the organization win and, and have the fans feel good about my effort every single night. Let's shift gears now to, to you as a broadcaster now with this Angels organization. And what, what's this, going to be your 12th season with the Halos? 14. 14, 14 this year, hopefully 14. 14. I'm hoping. Keep my it's fingers crossed with that one. I, I, I'm confident it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, when when you think about your journey, just to become a broadcaster and what you wanted to do there, when did you first start to think, hey, this could be something pretty fun, and, and I, I might be able to do this? Yeah, the weirdest story ever, Trent. Um, and I, I just told this recently to somebody again because you know I haven't even really, really reflected on it in a while because it's kind of. You're so into preparation for games, and your mindset was that all winter and in in even in the spring training. But So here I am. Uh, we, every year, a bunch of my family members, we go to Vegas for the Super Bowl, and uh, you know whatever team we're with there, we're wearing their uniform. And 
I get a call on my cell phone from ESPN if I wanted to do an audition for Baseball Tonight. And I said, well, yeah, I'd love to do that. And they said, well, you got can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, this is Saturday. I'm like, uh, Super Bowl's tomorrow. They go, well, we need you here tomorrow. I'm like, I can't, I can't leave my family like this. And they said, well, all right, never mind. So I'm like, all right, it's over. And then about a month later, Fox calls me up and asks me to do a similar you know, audition for a show called Baseball Today. And I, I've never done TV. I never really thought I would ever do TV. So I went in there and did an audition. Steve Sachs was there. Ron Darling was there. And I remember there's four cameras that were on a set. And all I could think of is I'm going to make sure I look at when I see a red light. And I don't know why nobody <laughs> told me to do that. So I got, so, you know, I did the audition. They go, oh, we'll call you later. You know, we'll call you back. I'm like, oh, okay, the old call you back thing. There's no way. So that night they called me up and I'm like, uh, can you be here tomorrow? We're doing four live shows every day of the week. And I'm like, uh, sure. I'm thinking I still haven't even figured out, first of all, how they even got my phone number and my cell phone number. Second of all, I don't even know how they even figured I would be wanting to do this or even have an idea how to do this. And you, you, you learn. And I went in after every single show. And we, I went to this, uh, my boss there at that point was Scott Ackerman, who does, you know, the Sunday football show with Howie Long and all the, and Strahan and all those guys. And I, he was very, you know, good. He's critical. He, he was positive. But I went in there just to get input every single day. And then I started doing a radio show. And I thought that was the best thing I ever did, best decision. Because when you do radio, as you know, Trent, you got to be able to do everything. you got to cut, you know, highlights, tapes, uh, set up interviews, all these things on your own. And that gives you that in- incentive to figure every single aspect of, of putting on a show, whether it's the radio or TV side. And, and lo and behold, some angel people heard me doing that radio show and decided with Jose and I we're going to do – 50 games the one year, you know, Jose was going to be the play-by-play and I was going to be the color analyst, and that was 14 years ago, and, and here I am now. And the, it's all about preparation, you know that, is and, and the energy. Every game, the, the thing that really always upset me was everyone goes, oh, the marquee game, you know, you could be ready for the marquee game. In my opinion, every game is a marquee game. So that's why, you know, whether people think I'm saying, well, you're, you're overly positive, your energy's, you know, whatever. Every day for me is, is the best day of my life to be able to do a game. And, and that means whether we're, you know, the Angels are playing the Dodgers, they're playing the Royals, they're playing the Yankees, Red Sox, you know, Seattle, doesn't matter. Every game, in my opinion, is the best game because if you're going to invest time as a fan to watch or listen to a game, I want somebody who's broadcast and have to feel the same way as the fan watching or listening to them. Gibbs, I absolutely love that. And I'll tell you, just you know, personal experience, you know, I spent a lot of time in the radio booth with Terry and Mark, and you'll come in, the Angels will be like on a six-game losing streak, and they'll be playing Baltimore, and you come in and say, hey, biggest game of our life, boys. And, and at first I was like, oh, are you just being like a sarcastic jerk right now? What's going on here? And then, no, no, you're serious. This is the biggest game, and that's an important thing for people to remember and you know I think it's cool just you know I get a chance to watch you guys a lot on TV uh, for road games in particular you guys are always trying fun exciting things keeping it uh, light and energetic in the booth what is that like doing this you know now for you know 14 seasons and you know spending the last 10 with Victor Rojas going around the country and uh, calling baseball games you guys make it seem like you have the most fun ever yeah I mean you know what Trent we you know right Right and early in the morning, I'm talking to people and sending texts and emails to 
you know, our producer, director, and all our, uh, you know, graphic guys in, in our truck every day. This is what I think is, could be put together a good show. Then, uh, you know, Victor and I will start talking. Then we'll, you know, we'll, you know, whether we eat for coffee or lunch, just to discuss potentially what could happen during the course of the game. And we always, the bottom line is, yeah, hey, we get to talk about Mike Trout every day. Or we get to talk and, and see what Anelton Simmons is going to do in the field. And now we get to see what Shohei Otani. We'll get the chance to talk about Albert Polos, who's going to, when all said and done, no matter what people say about Albert saying that the length of the contract, Albert's going to go down as one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. His numbers will bear that out. He's a winner. He's a gold glove winner. Everything about him. So you get to talk about these guys every day. And you get to talk about adjusting up to hitting the ball nearly 500 feet or, you know, Joe Adele potentially coming up this season and being the next superstar wearing an Angel uniform. Every day is so much fun that, you know, we always talk about that. Then we meet after games, especially on the road. We sit back and say, hey, what do we do good? What do we do wrong? What do we need to do better? So it's not like, you know, any day you just kind of casually go through the game and have fun and boom, you're done. It's already, as soon as the game is over, we're literally preparing for the next game. Immediately after, when we're either driving back to the hotel and getting something to eat or having a pop after the game, every day we're, we're discussing what we can do better and make it even more fun for fans to watch us. Hey, and it's really enjoyable. I'll just say, you know, as an Angels fan, I, I really enjoy um, watching that, and, and that kind of effort uh, certainly pays. Last thing for me, Goobs. Where did Gooby Tuesday come from? You know, uh, one of our producers, Jay Cutlow, uh, we were just saying, hey, we got to find a way to be able to get some personality out of players. So often, you know, because you know it is when you're going to interview players, it's every day. So after a while, you know, they, it's almost like the old, you know, Charlie Brown things, the teachers or whatever here, the want, want, want. So you just want to find a way to be able to get to the personality. So, hey, I said, let's, let's figure out a way to be able to bring two, three guys in each time Ask some fun questions, some random, not baseball necessarily related questions. And I, you know, you know me, I'm a rock and roll guy. So Ruby Tuesdays, a you know Rolling Stones song. I said, well, we can kind of have a little fun thing called Gooby Tuesdays, doing on Tuesdays, and ask some some questions. And even actually, as a matter of fact, today I'll be retweeting out one of our ones we did last year as far as the Gooby Tuesdays, as far as what you know, pregame meal that some of the guys have. And I asked Goody this one and Ty Buttry and. And David Fletcher, and they gave a pretty cool answer. So they make some, they say some stuff that makes. Uh, if they showed the whole interview the way I did it, you'll see me on the ground laughing at times. <laughs> I mean, the stuff they say, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, the whole, my whole goal was to allow viewers to see the personality of these players because they, you think of athletes most times, especially baseball players, because it's every day. We're almost like we're robots. It's almost like watching Westworld where a bunch of robots are kind of roaming around playing a baseball game every day. But when you get a chance to see the personalities, it's pretty funny. When you just don't always ask, oh, what were you doing on that 3-2 pitch? Or why did you throw that pitch? Or what were you doing running the bases? Why did you try to score you know, from second base on a ground ball? The infield? Whatever the baseball question was, you know, you, you get to the point where you ask the ball, you go, oh, I was just trying to score a run. I was just trying to give 110%. All those cliche answers but when you ask them hey what's your favorite restaurant or who would play you i still remember this a couple years ago when i asked uh four guys it was trout calhoun maven and, and ben revere who would play them in the new version of angels in the outfield and, and their answers were so funny i literally thought i one almost tore a hamstring two of my ribs were killing me and i think we're going to do we're going to show that next week but uh 
this the, this the answer they got, how funny these guys really, really are. And I, I've been in those clubhouses and those bus trips and, and the flights where, you know, because it's it's your family. So you let you let the guard down and you just have a lot of fun when you're around all the guys. But uh, when you get a chance to be able to get those personalities out on a, on a little simple question, that's how, you know, it came about. I know it was a long answer to that, but it was it's kind of fun to be able to get the guys to do that. And I look forward to new versions of this upcoming season with people like Anthony Rendon and Dylan Bundy and a bunch of the new guys we're going to have on the team. Oh man, I, I got it. By the way, this is the 25th anniversary of Angels in the Outfield, so we got to try to dig that up and find that. I'm looking forward oh, to seeing that. Believe me, you're going to see it next week on on my Twitter for next Tuesday. <laughs> it, I, I'll, you, the answers to those guys gave. I, I swear, I, I even I just laughed just thinking about what they said, and and I don't want to give a you know for people have forgotten what the answers they were. But uh, it was it was hilarious. So yeah, it, it, it's fun, and I might have to bring that question back again this year because I just want to see some other answers from different guys. Quite the tease right there, Mark. Yeah. Goobs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Goobs, thank you so much for doing this. I, hey, I tell you, the only downside to this conversation is now you have me extra jacked up for wanting baseball to start like right now. Uh, but I know that time is coming. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Big A real soon. Yeah, sure. I know we talk quite a bit. I, I feel really, really strong and positive about we're going to see some baseball before too long. And I think everything, the most important thing, everybody is going to start feeling back to normal and that's what we want we want everyone to feel normal and then when when they get the chance to watch baseball i think baseball has brought back this country many 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 times and we the last time we remembered 9-11 so baseball yep. is a big part of this country and a big part of the recovery is going to be coming up pretty soon Gilby, thanks so much man appreciate it you got it Trent. have a good one dude oh man how great is mark gubaza certainly appreciate him uh coming on this podcast do want to take a moment to apologize really quickly though uh for the cameo made by my little puppy teddy who was uh crying in the background there uh had him in the studio with me as we're doing this uh, work from home and uh he decided he wanted to be on the podcast too so uh i apologize however i promise i'll make it up for you uh, by posting some very adorable pictures on my social media at trent rush sports so you can check that out on instagram and Twitter as well. Another fun thing that we alluded to uh, before the Mark Ubizai interview was the Players League, the video game league that players from each of the MLB teams are participating in. Well, Ty Buttree is the Angels representative. He got off to a slow start, 1-3, and three, and uh, talked about shaking off some of the rust when it comes to his video game playing. Yeah, man. So, you know, I played the show. I haven't played the show in two years. When uh, Adam actually asked me, he's like, you know, have you, uh, have you played it? And I'm like, you know, I played I played them a long time ago, you know, 13, 14, 15. I played a little bit of 17, but I haven't played 18 and 19. Um, and there were some, like, nuances that I just I need to catch on with just the PS4, like, the way it plays. Um, you know, I've been playing Xbox for a while, so I had to kind of re- relearn the PS4 controllers and just, like, the basic maneuvering of the interface it has. And... You know, Noe's, uh, Noe was giving me crap because Noe, you know, Noe prides himself in being good. And um, Hermosillo is supposedly really, really good as well. He's, like, I guess the best. Um, but you know what, man? Like, I, I went into it with confidence. Like, I mean, I definitely had some flaws with my reaction time. But, I mean, I, I beat him. Uh, you know, it was a, I think he won by two runs. And I made some really stupid errors. But... I don't know if he was taking it easy on me, man, but, like, I was getting some timely hits. Uh, it definitely showed me that I'm really, like, eager to get off and, like, 
swing at the first pitch. And, like, that's kind of how I was as a hitter growing up. Like, I never walked. I wanted to hit everything. So, like, when you put a guy like Fletch up there, um, Simba, um, you know, these guys, like, I just go contact swing, and, like, I'll just get, like, a little bloop down the line, and that's kind of how I've been scoring my runs right now. But when it comes to actual baseball training, Ty Buttry says he's doing plenty of that, too. Yeah, so I feel, I feel I honestly, I think the best I've ever felt um, just mentally and physically right now. Um, you know, we're trying to obviously practice social social distancing, Jesus, I can't say the word, um, as much as we can. Um, you know, the season, the season hasn't been canceled. I mean, this season as of now, like, everyone's trying to gear up and we're trying to figure out how we can play. And as much as I have to, you know, be safe and be mindful of others and practice it and, you know, not be an idiot and put, you know, my job over other people's health, which is the biggest thing that I want to be conscious of. Like I've been fortunate enough that my trainer down in uh, Tampa, Florida, he's been able to, he kind of shut down his gym. Um, but his wife is a physical therapist and she's an essential business and she's been doing really well. So like there's a few people that will come in early morning um, and they'll be, she'll be doing like physical therapy work with them. Most of the time I spend training just literally in his garage, but like he's been able to, he's been kind of able to take me one-on-one treatment and just really fix a lot of body alignment issues that I had that I wasn't really even aware of going into the season. And honestly, I feel like I'm just trying to capitalize as much as I can with this downtime off because, I mean, like I said, we don't know when the season's going to start. So if it does start in a month, like, I want to be prepared. I don't want to be coming in and getting hurt. I don't want to be coming in and, you know, potentially losing my job to somebody that was working out hard. Like, but it's hard, man, because it takes a lot. Like, you got to, we got to be mindful of it. Like, you know, that means going to the grocery store and trying to, the amount of calories and protein you need a day. I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird. I'm, it's, it's training like I've never trained before. It's, it's just different. If you want to hear more from Ty Buttry, of course, you can check out our previous podcast when we had him on uh, a couple of weeks ago here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Just find it in the archives. If you're a subscriber, you already know what to do there. If you're not a subscriber yet, you want to make sure you do that so you get the alerts when these come out each and every Wednesday. Again, Angels at home, angels.com slash home, all kinds of great stuff. Check that out at angels.com. Recipes, activities, cool videos, of course, these podcasts, and uh, then the Angels on social media as well, giving you great stuff every single day. Keep me in the loop when it comes to Angels baseball, so we are ready to go when the season does come. Dead serious when I say, man, I am ready for the season to start yesterday. I I mean, I'm ready for baseball because I know this Angels team uh, can be something great this year, and I can't wait to see him out on the field. For everybody here at the Angels Recap Podcast, my name is Trent Rush. We'll see you next week.